Moolah La is brought to you by the nonprofit credit counseling agency, Credit Canada. We often talk about financial resilience on this show. Well, the Financial Consumer Agency of Canada has developed the National Financial Literacy Strategy, uh, and its focus is helping Canadians become more financially resilient. The strategy has five consumer building blocks, what they call them, that help Canadians gain the necessary skills to do this. And one of them is managing debt. So we're gonna talk about that. We're also gonna talk about the agency's measurement plan, which is new and interesting and critical. Joining us is Sapriya Sial. She is the Deputy Commissioner at the Financial Consumer Agency of Canada. And a happy Financial Literacy Month to you. And a happy Financial Literacy Month to you as well, Bruce. Thank you for having me. What do you mean when you use the phrase financial resilience? I think the word resilience is, is a word we more commonly associate with with mental health. You know, mm. We think of it as a form of strength, a fortitude, if you will, to to surmount rather than succumb to the challenges that life throws our way. And financial resilience is, is actually, it's, it's not different. It is, it is the ability, the way we define it, as it is the ability to adapt or persevere through both predictable and unpredictable financial choices, difficulties, shocks in life. So, so just as psychological resilience allows people to recover and get past negative life events, Financial resilience allows people to recover and get past negative financial events. We are meeting on the radio for those of you listening, not while you're driving. You can't do this while you're driving. But if you're listening at home, do a search for the National Financial Literacy Strategy and the FCAC because you're going to see this really great graphic. It's very clear. It's very compelling. And at the heart of it is this notion of financial resilience. On top of that, there's um, what what can enable consumers to achieve and then what you call ecosystem changes, which we'll talk about. What's the main goal of the National Financial Literacy Strategy? Helping Canadians build financial resilience. Mm. Uh, you know, we are very cognizant of the fact that um, uh, we're in an uncertain fiscal environment. Um, and, and, and I would say that in many ways, um, financial resilience is, is the thing that helps you weather those storms, those fiscal storms that come your way. So the main goal of the strategy is, is building financial resilience. And what it does is it lays out a framework uh, for how we can enable consumers to build that financial resilience uh, by changing the ecosystem that they operate in, as well as by helping them develop the five consumer building blocks that you were just alluding to, Bruce. And the, and the idea is that together, these things as a whole will uh, create the, the context or will create the set of behaviors that will lead to financial resilience. When you think about managing debt, what would you say about the behaviors that enable people to do that? Because, you know, you and I have been in this space for a long time. We know that it's not just as simple as, oh, don't order DoorDash tonight. Don't head to the mall. There, it, it just simply isn't that simple in life. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, and, and, the, and the truth of, and one of the truths of life, I mean, debt is a truth of life, <clears throat> right, if you will. And people take on debt in many ways. I mean, there's credit card debt, there's car loans, there's student loans, there's lines of credit, payday loans, mortgages. And I think one of the one of the things that happens is that 
sometimes consumers are unaware of the long-term costs of, or certainly the total long-term costs of all of these different kinds of debts put together. And if you think about them in terms of compound interest and fees, and it's all quite dense and difficult to understand. So I think to answer your question about, you know, what are what are the ways that people can or should think about this? I think, uh, you know, there's this sort of, uh, what you would say, rules of thumb. So things like review your budget, identify where you can cut expenses to pay down more high interest debt. So, and, 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 and that is really a very key point, like pay down the highest rate, highest interest rate debt first relative to other kinds of debt. And if and when possible, avoid taking on, you know, additional debt. And if you do have to borrow, then uh, borrow responsibly. So make sure you know the difference between good and bad debt, choose the right products for your needs and circumstances, know your rights when you're borrowing money. But, but as I say all that, I really want to emphasize this point that we make in our strategy, which is that positive financial outcomes are a shared responsibility. Mm. So the ecosystem, which we define as everybody around the consumer. So, you know, regulators, governments such as ourselves, financial literacy stakeholders, the financial services industry, researchers, everybody else also has a role to play in this. So we're not, we, we can't very well say, consumers, here are things you should do. <laughs> Go ahead and do it, you know. Yeah. We need to help, we need to enable, we need to create the environment in which these behaviors are the easy and the obvious behaviors. So things that we can do, for instance, I mean, we lay these out in the strategy, there's, you know, there's the whole ecosystem changes piece that we can get into, but even specifically in terms of debt, one of the things we urge stakeholders to do, the ecosystem to do, is test and pilot different kinds of interventions to mm. help consumers manage their debt or avoid incurring additional debt-related costs. So these would be things like do an experiment where you increase the amount and or the frequency of minimum payments or set automatic minimum payments or increase payment amounts in alignment with, say, salary increases or mm -hmm. bonuses or explore opportunities to reduce interest payments on existing debts through you know, refinancing or consolidating debts. These are all ways in which the ecosystem can create these interventions or create these paradigms or these choice architectures, if you will, that'll help consumers uh, manage their debt better without it being you know, solely the response, mm -hmm. like without the onus resting entirely and only on the consumer. You uh, are launching something called Counting Change, and this is both a, uh, a critical aspect of uh, the next evolution of the strategy, but also plays to your heritage. You are a scientist. Your, your eyes go uh, sparkly when you think about what you can measure. I know this. Uh, why would you say the measurement of this is so critical? My eyes are sparkling right now. <laughs> you can't see them. <laughs> but, so, you know, the strategy, I would say, as a whole, is a departure from how we previously approached financial literacy in two ways. So one is this ecosystem approach that we were just talking about, which is that it's a shared responsibility. We need to help consumers uh, rather than hinder them. The second departure is the one you're speaking to now. So, And this one, I would say, is in many ways the lifeblood of our new strategy, if you will, because it runs so 
sweepingly through it and is, is what will help us keep it alive. And this is an outcomes-driven approach. So what we're saying is we need to experiment. We need to test what we do to make sure it works. I think I said to you last year, it's best to test. Mm. Stop doing what doesn't work and do more of what does work. But all of that is, you know, all of that is fine to say, but how do we know, right? How do we know what works? And the way we ascertain that is by measuring outcomes so that we know whether or not we're succeeding. And not only that, we all as a collective, so this ecosystem, we all need to concur on how we will measure. We need mm -hmm. to speak the same language, so to speak, because if I'm doing an intervention where I'm measuring, you know, access to trustworthy and affordable financial help, and you, Bruce, are doing an intervention where you're, you're measuring access to trustworthy and affordable financial help, but we both define trustworthy differently, then we can't actually compare our results. Mm -hmm. We cannot say collectively, our work has increased access to trustworthy help in these ways because we defined it differently. Mm. And so we will have measured different things, which are, you know, probably non-comparable things. So I what wanna... we need to yeah, do in order to assess collective impact is measure the same thing and in the same way. And that, the way we do that is through a measurement plan and through this plan where we lay out, look, these are the metrics we're going to use to measure this thing. If we're going to make up a new metric, these are the ways we should make up a new metrics. These are the features of a, a good one. These are not the features of a good one. How can we work together to, to build and speak the same language? And that is the measurement plan, which is called, is a companion piece to the strategy. The strategy was called Make Change That Counts. And this companion piece, the measurement plan, is called counting change. I love it. I love it. Okay, one more question before we go here. On the ecosystem front, there is a whole part around enhancing access to trustworthy and affordable financial help. As you may know, uh, my day job is as CEO of Credit Canada. We are a nonprofit credit counselor. We've been around since the late 1960s, and we are prevented from advertising on Google. So in terms of a consumer's ability to uh, access nonprofit credit counseling, the number one way one can advertise, we are prevented from doing. Uh, I'm not asking you to comment on that, but I am asking you what role do, should stakeholders take on to engage the FCAC in ensuring that that access is present because it's not universal? Yeah, I mean, and, and I think it's such an excellent, such an excellent question, right? And And, and I think... I mean, I think that there are many ways that we can collectively work to improve that access. So one, one simple way is just, I would say, just to have conversations about money, right? And which is, which is part of the point of your podcast, Bruce, and, 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 and some of the great work that you do, because we shall say, I mean, there's, you know, we've, like, there's data to show that people find money more stressful than um, then, then sort of their relationships, their work, and, and all these other features of their lives put together, but we spend so much time. Think about the amount of time we spend talking about our relationships and our work mm. and our, you know, things, other stuff about our life. We really don't spend talking about money because of some bizarre taboo that was created, mm. I, I think, like 100 years ago about, you know, and, and I've said this in another, I was saying this in another podcast, which is that we really need to evaluate our societal taboos, right? Like women wearing pants used to be a taboo. <laughs> 
right. people sneezing in public used to be a taboo. I mean, I'm pretty sure we've all sneezed in public. Right? And why why does money remain such a taboo? And, and this may seem tangential to your question about access to affordable, trustworthy financial health, but it's actually not because mm. in order to seek out that access, we need to, as the first step, at least talk about the money that, you know, that, that we can then go ahead and say, okay, this is a relevant conversation. This is something we all want to be doing. Let's set up the paradigms through which we can do it. Now. Super helpful. And here we are talking. I'm afraid we are out of time in our talk. We will talk again. And thank you for all the work that you are doing on uh, improving financial resilience in this country. Absolutely. And uh, thank you very much for having us here, or having me here, Bruce. And I look forward to continuing this conversation as well. Sapria CL is the Deputy Commissioner at the Financial Consumer Agency of Canada.